to the house of the ruler. They were going through the crowded streets when suddenly a woman who had been sick for 12 years touched the hem of the garment of Jesus. And immediately he felt the power go out from him. And in the midst of that excitement, in the process of urgency, Jesus stopped dead in his tracks. And he asked that question, Who has touched me? I'm sure the disciples thought that that was an absolutely unanswerable question. There were people all around. Anybody could have touched him. I'm sure the ruler, Jairus, thought it was an unnecessary question which would only prolong his agony and anticipation and, and anxiety. The woman was quite upset that he had asked it too because she knew that she could not be found. Yet Jesus asked the question, Who? has touched me. You see, to Jesus that question is very, very important. So important that he hesitated in the healing of another person to ask it. And you ask why? And when you begin to ask the question why is that question so necessary? I think you begin to see some of the healing qualities that are in that question. You know, you, you stop and you ask yourself the question, who has touched me? And I think you find some great help. I think anyone who asks that question can begin to see healing take place in the great problem and sickness of identification. There always has been, and I'm sure there was in that day just as there is today, a large group of people who are having a very difficult time and have had a difficult time in trying to know who they are. Self-identity is very big on our list of wants today. A lot of people would like to have their heads screwed on correctly. But for some reason or another, and to the anxiety of parents, friends, loved ones, they just can't seem to find themselves. And of course today, as always, we have those exponents who tell us that they have the sure remedy for identification. We have those who say, experiment. Experiment with anybody and everything you can, and you'll find out who you are. So we have traffic in booze in, in uh, drugs, in all types of sexual perversity, with the idea that if you just experiment long enough, you're going to find out who you are. Then, of course, we have those who say, no, it doesn't come through experimentation, it comes through expression. Do your own thing. Don't care what other people say. Merely become concerned about becoming an individual yourself. Then there are the third group, the third group which says, uh, uh, educate yourself, go to classes, read books, attend lectures, and eventually you're going to have enough compounded knowledge that you're going to recognize yourself and have identity. I think Jesus here is trying to tell us, as he told that woman, look who touched you, and maybe you'll find out who you are. Who 
touched me is a great way for me to recollect and examine who I am. You've heard this. The field of psychiatry has become very respectable in our day and age, and it's built upon this idea of if you know who you are, you will have to first know who has touched you, the influences for good and evil that have been in your life. In transactional analysis, we, we call it stroking. The amount or lack of stroking that you have had in your life affects you. Let's, let's face it, we are products of influence. The people and the things that have touched us in the past, we can try to deny it, but the truth exists. You and I are here today. We are people who are products of those who have touched us. Now, this argument's been going on amongst the social scientists for some time, and you can overdo it. Oh, yes. You, you remember the old story. I've told it before about little Johnny, who was a bright young chap but didn't do very well in school. And his report card always showed it, and inevitably that period of time would come when he'd have to take that piece of paper home and show it to father. But he was quite a student of human nature. And this one time when the results on the card were very, very poor, and he knew his father was going to get excited, he waited till just the right precise moment when the dinner had been given the father. And he was in his chair, and the shoes were off, and, and the slippers were on, and the legs were on the ottoman, and the pipe was lit. And he was in that moment of semi-consciousness, that twilight zone that some of you people are in as you're trying to read the evening paper. And little Johnny waited until the right moment, and then just slipped that report card into the focus of his father's eyesight. And just before that moment of explosion, that time when the father was to let go, little Johnny said, Well, Dad, what do we blame it on, heredity or environment? <laughs> you see, you, you, you can overdo it. It's not all of the answer. But nevertheless, you and I, we are greatly affected by the people who have touched us. And I think in this day when some are having difficulty with knowing who they are, it might help to stop and ask that question, who has touched me? Who has touched you? You know, it, it works, ladies and gentlemen. I'm convinced of that. To me, one of the great things that I shall remember out of the 4th of July celebration in our nation and in community in 1976 was the fact that we had no real obvious signs of ugliness and destruction. And my prayers to God the following week were filled with thanksgiving that some of the things that Mayor Rizzo and, and other people tried to predict would happen didn't happen. And I don't think that's by accident. I think throughout all of the parading and the noise and the tall ships and the fireworks and, and worship services, the American people, at least for a moment, had to focus in on the fact that they had been touched by the events of history and that they were being touched that day by a moment of destiny. And I think even the most unpatriotic felt a little tinge of being touched 
by something that was bigger than individuality. And as a result, I may be wrong, and it's only a month that has gone by, but I really think there's a different attitude in our land today. Maybe God is hearing our prayers and noticing some attitudes of repentance, and he's beginning to heal our land, which needs so much healing. But he's doing it when people, individuals, churches, nations, societies are asking that healing question, who's touched us? It works. It brings to us a healing in the area of identification, and I think also it brings healing in the area of conformation. You see, we are people, and let's never apologize for it, ladies and gentlemen, we are people who need constant reminders and signs of verification and validation that what we are doing is necessary and makes sense and does work. We're suffering from a little bit of inferiority, that we can't do anything right. That's not true. There are many things we've done wrong, but we've done some things right. And people need to hear not only the wrong they do, but the right they do. They need some type of confirmation. And you'd be surprised the confirmation that can come when you ask the self, yourself the question, who's touched me? Who has touched me? We run scared from time to time, and I don't mean to take anything away from the divinity of Jesus, but I think Jesus himself at times suffered moments of depression and moments of discouragement. Let us never forget in the Christian church, in our dressing up Jesus in all of his ecclesiastical robes, that he was not only divine, but he was also human. He was an individual just like each one of us. May we never forget that. Sometimes we put him in stained glass windows that we forget that he walked the road. I really think that when Jesus in the carpenter shop knew what it was to have the hammer slip and hit his thumb, I think he cried. When he got home from work at night, he was tired. And I think sometimes in his ministry, when he wasn't as successful as he would have liked, he was discouraged and he was down. May we never forget that. And may we never apologize for the fact that at times we need reassurance. We need verification, validation. We need to be reconfirmed that what we are doing does matter. And it's been effective in the lives of other people. I share with you very openly my own experience for now for 19 years. As soon as I came out of seminary and began ministry, I began two files, which still are over in the file cabinet. And we add to them regularly. One is entitled Roses, and the other file is entitled Onions. And when I get letters, <laughs> they go in one of two files. And the reason that I can stand here today with some confidence is because of the confirmation some of you and the radio congregation and people I don't even know have written letters. 
And the reason I can stand here today and believe that I'm being used by God and that these words count is simply because the rose garden is bigger than the onion patch. That's it. And I make no apology for that, ladies and gentlemen, because that is human. And the day we begin to defy our humanity, we're in trouble. And I find, and I pass it on to you, that when you can ask who has touched me and have some verification that somebody has touched you and been helped, you find confirmation and encouragement. I hope I'm not stretching the interpretation of Scripture too far, but you see, that's what I read in this particular incident. Here was Jesus. If you read before where we read today, you will find that he has just come back from the area opposite the Sea of Galilee. And over there, you know, he was confronted by an individual who the Bible said was possessed with demons, so many demons his name was Legion. And Jesus healed that man. But somehow or another, a herd of swine got excited and went down into a lake. And the people became so frightened by this experience that instead of thanking Jesus for healing this man who was captive to insanity, they ran him out of town. They tried to get rid of him. And here Jesus, trying to do good, was considered an outcast. And I'm sure when they rode back over the Sea of Galilee that day or that night, Jesus was very discouraged and no longer did he get to the to the shoreline where our scripture reading begins when here is another person not just anybody but a ruler of the synagogue who is coming and said please Jesus help my daughter and he was on his way to another experience remembering that he had just now successfully done something that had been ridiculed for doing so when all of a sudden a woman touches him and he feels his power spent. He feels the healing process going out of himself and into somebody else. And Jesus, I think, need con needed confirmation before he went on that what he had done in the past was right and he could do it again if he didn't lose confidence in himself or in the God who was working through him. So Jesus asked this woman, who I'm sure he knew who it was, who has touched me? And she was confronted with that question, and she had to publicly give a testimony of God's healing power. And the scripture says that she went away in peace. But it doesn't tell us about the face of Jesus, but I'm sure if we had been there, we would have seen upon our Lord a feeling of gratitude for the woman's testimony and a reassurance and a confirmation coming into his expression. Because he knew, he knew that he was right and that he was an instrument of God's healing. If you know of somebody and we're all delinquent on this, ladies and gentlemen. But somebody, a man or a woman, a young person, a teacher, who has helped you, who has touched your life for God's sake, tell him or her about it. 
We all need the confirmation. That's not a sign of weakness or an asking for votes of confidence. That is something that is necessary in life, and it comes when in our busy times and in our biggest of hurries and in our biggest moments of depression, we stop and think and ask, who has touched us? and been helped. There's so many things that come about in the form of healing when we ask that question. But another one I think can come under the form of determination, dedication, preparation. The thing which I think we are sorely lacking today in the church, in America, and throughout the world. You know, I believe every one of us has been placed upon this earth for some reason. I believe that with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. God created nobody just to do evil. But he created us all for a destiny to do and to help in the building of his kingdom. We're good starters, but lousy finishers. We start with a bang and end up with a whimper so often. That, that's one of the reasons why I think the Olympics on television or when you see them in person are so helpful. Because they show to us again the meaning of inspiration, dedication, and determination. I, I never like to see the beginning of the races, but oh boy, you can't get me away from the television screen when we're coming down to the end. If you want to see a real graphic illustration of what I'm talking about, get a, get a copy of the... Uh, Sports Illustrated for this week, and on the front page you see Bruce Jenner as he explodes with excitement after he's won with record-breaking points the decathlon. And you read in every muscle and every expression on his face of a determination, of, of a dedication, of a preparation, of a destination which he's fighting for and which he's won. And you know, that turns us on. Not only the young, but the old as well. And we need that. Heroes and heroines are disappearing from our scene, and that's too bad. Because the American society, the world, the church, is longing for leadership and guidance and dedication and people who can be looked upon as instruments of God, who have the determination they're going to heal this world and the society. Folks, you know, we are here to touch one another. Yes. Jesus says, you know, we are here to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You are my witnesses. We're not here to stand by and just let anybody take over the guidance, the hero bit of our young people. We're to do that. We're here, and it helps us to find courage and strength and dedication and determination for the goal that we've had here in life. If we can stop and ask the question, who's touching us? Who's touching us? Gosh, it's a dark day. Everybody I've talked to in the last 48 hours is down. When I prepared this sermon and gave it to 
Bernie for publication in the bulletin. It was beautiful and bright. Now I think I know why maybe God led me this Sunday to preach on this. We all need a little bit of encouragement. Don't you feel it? I feel it in here. Maybe it will help today. If when you go home, in meditation and prayer, you ask yourself that question, who has and is touching me? God bless you. God bless you. Father, you're very kind, you're very good, you've made us a part of your world. Help us to identify, be confirmed, and know who we are and where we're going. In Jesus' name we ask it, and now may the Spirit of God, Almighty Father, Son, and Holy Ghost be and abide with you all now and evermore, forever. Amen.